Welcome to the Gridiron College Football Show. I'm Simon Clancy along with Matt Sherry. It's episode two and we are looking ahead to the first proper weekend of college football. Matt, game one is already in the can. It took place in Orlando, Florida and Miami. How did you see it? Well, yeah, I mean, it was a, it was an incredible start to the season and, 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 and really, I think, uh, an example of all the reasons why we love college football and that's that's kind of what you want, isn't it, on the first week and, you know, at a bigger picture level, there are issues for both teams. Well, let's start by the game itself. 24-20, a lot of league changes. Florida win it late at the end. It was fascinating to watch. And, you know, as games off now at this stage of the season, fascinating to watch because of the, the vulnerabilities of teams. You know, this was a game in which neither team could really get out of their own way. I think Florida are a considerably better football team than Miami. And, you know, that could have been a massive loss. And it looked for a long time like they could lose that game, despite been the dominant team. I guess you saw the good and bad of both. Um in in terms of both defences I thought played really, really well. You know, we saw the turnover chain out a few times. Admittedly, most of those Florida turnovers were, were self inflicted. But Miami's day looked good. Florida's day looked outstanding. And and you know, the issue for Miami is they've got freshmen all over the field on offence, including Jaron Williams, a quarterback, who I thought handled it great, you know, 19 of 20, 19 of 30, 214 yards, one touchdown, and crucially, no interceptions. Now, for a true freshman playing his first game behind a line that is full of true freshmen as well, I thought he was outstanding. He was running for his life a lot because Florida's D-line is amazing and played really well, but he showed a lot of poise for me for a true freshman in his first game, which is more than can be said for for me, the real big picture takeaway, Felipe Franks, you know. He's a guy we've spoken about a lot in the last couple of years and never been convinced, but then, you know, you kind of forget what the on-field product is in the, in the months that precede, that precede a season. And Franks looked like what Franks has always been, which is a guy who can make the odd really incredible wow moments and, and usually with his, often with his legs, but also made some nice throws in this game. But he makes boneheaded interceptions and turnovers and... I mean, the one at the end of this game that should have cost them the game was astonishingly bad for a, a veteran, veteran quarterback. And for me, that is the big worry for Florida. I think for Miami, this was a Manny Diaz's first game. This was a night where a lot of things went well. You know, they weren't expected to win. They were ahead for a lot of the game. They played it really close. They'll be disappointed they didn't win because of that. But actually, in the cold light of day, first game under a new head coach, Jaron Williams' first game as a true freshman, really impressive. Florida, concerns for me. Felipe Franks plays like that against some of the big SEC teams and they're not going to be able to win the game. So, yeah, a lot to take away from, from it. And, and, you know, what a game to whet the appetite for the season. Yep, a fascinating result uh, and a fascinating sort of first game. And interesting to have such a big game so early in the... I mean, really just kicking off the entire kicking off the entire season. Um, I was in Florida and tried to get tickets and they were... $300 a pop that was uh, for, for, for three of us that was never going to happen um, there's some interesting games though this weekend isn't there Clemson against uh, against Georgia Tech is one that certainly stands out you're looking for you know BYU Utah a really interesting game um, for the Utes who I picked last week to, to be a team that could potentially kick up towards the t- towards the top 10 intrigued to see Wisconsin against South Florida early on this season um, that should be a very interesting game because obviously Wisconsin looking to bounce back. Colorado, Stephen Montez and LaVisca Chenault against Colorado State, uh, a game they obviously should win. 
but always interesting when you see those the, those rivalry games early in the season. Oregon State against Oklahoma State, another game that sort of sort of stands out and piques the interest a little bit. Um, Nebraska early on against South Alabama obviously should be a cakewalk for them, but you kind of just want to see them hit their stride early. You want to see Taylor Martinez trying to build a, a Heisman campaign, which uh, I suspect he will do. I, I'm interested in, in, in looking at Kansas-Indiana State. Again, not because it's a good game, but it's, it's Les Miles. He's back on the <laughs> sideline. This is the... It's the first game of the of the Les Miles era. Um, what games sort of stand out for you, Matt? What are you looking forward to seeing? What are you interested in? I mean, Stanford North, Northwestern is a really interesting game um, on Saturday night. What what what's standing out for you? Where do you want to where do you want to start? Well, I mean, the absolute big one is is Oregon Auburn, isn't it? Yeah. You know, that's the one with similar. Was it Washington Auburn in it week was. one last year? It was. Yeah, it, it's. I mean, for the for the whole of the um, of the Pac twelve, it's. It's essentially exactly the same as last year, where their their conferences whole season might depend upon the opening week, because Oregon now uh, are what Washington were last year. They're the great hope of the of the conference to to finally get a, another representative in the playoff, and and yeah, I mean, I'm I'm stunned to see that that Auburn are favourites. I would mm. put Oregon as the favourites going in, even despite what I said about Auburn last week. But I guess. That inconsistency year to year of Auburn combined with the talent is the reason why Vegas has, has set them as favourites. It's just a massive game. It's huge for Justin Herbert. It's huge for the Ducks. It's huge for the Pac-12. This is the Pac-12. This season, I think more than any other, need to become relevant again. Yeah. Oregon are their best chance to do it. This will be a great statement for them in Week One to take down a, an SEC power. The other big game, really, that stands out for me is Oklahoma uh, against Houston. I mean, yeah. Derek King uh, uh, has, you know, 50 touchdowns last season he accounted for, both passing and and, uh, and running. He is the elite sort of running quarterback in the NFL, uh, in college football, but he has the ability to, to make plays with his, with his arm as well. That could be, for, for an Oklahoma defense, I mean, that is not who you want to face week one. Given that you're retooling under uh, under the Grinch, as we discussed last week, he, he um he's got a big job on his hands to try and keep King under wraps because Oklahoma could fall week one. I mean, that's a strong possibility. Yeah, and one of the one of the big coaching changes of the off season was Dana Holgerson, obviously mm. leaving West Virginia, where he, he did a very good job over over was it eight seasons, yeah, seven absolutely. eight seasons, something like that. I mean, that was a big gift for Houston, wasn't it? You know, luring a guy away from, from a big five programme like that. And and Houston have been, outside of the, the last couple of years when UCF have emerged, Houston have really been that team, haven't they, who were, I, I guess, bridging the gap between what Boise State were and what... And what um, um. And what UCF became, Houston in, uh, in between those years were the best team outside the Power Five, and and that's a big statement. It's a big game for Dana Holgerson. You know, he's 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 taken the punt at that job into into really rich recruiting territory, but admittedly rich recruiting territory where you've got a lot of competition. And this this could be a massive statement for him in the in that first week. Imagine if the imagine if they got the win. Yeah, I mean for me that is that is one hundred percent game number two on the schedule of. Of most important this week. I mean, defense is a question as well for Houston, but a slew of kind of incoming JUCO transfers, notably Olivia Charles Pierre, who's going to step in as nose tackle, replacing replacing is the wrong word, but you know, 
taking over from Ed Oliver. Um, but all over the field, you know, a lot of highly recruited JUCO transfers. Holgerson did a great job of, uh, of bringing those in. And then their top recruit, Nathan Caesar, a, a linebacker, needs to hit the ground running. But this is a very tough game for Oklahoma. It is. It certainly is. I mean, the line is currently, as Oklahoma, is 25-point favourites, yeah. which blows my mind. Me I mean, we know absolutely nothing about this Oklahoma defence yet. We talked about it on the last show about... Does Grinch come in and turn it round? Well, if he does, it doesn't necessarily happen from week one. I mean, this is the time you want to get them. You know, I just think that line's insane, especially with... I mean, Derek King is going to put points on the board, you know. This is... King is the ultimate sleeper Heisman Mm. candidate, isn't he, this year? 100%. That receiving core as well is absolutely loaded. I mean, I I think I saw a stat that said 10 of the 12 players on the receiving court are, are all returning and Marquez Stevenson the junior is an absolute star you know they've got Keith Corbin back as well who averaged more than 17 yards per reception I mean they are loaded at receiver and when you're going up against the team that finished dead last in the entire United States against against the past last year these guys have got to be licking their lips yeah, absolutely they have. And I mean, so should anybody who fancies a bet as well, because I'm, I'm absolutely stunned by the 25 points. I can't quite get my head around that. We've got another game for your side. Um, Fresno State against USC. Just going to mention it. Um, Claire Helton watches on from week one because Fresno State, were they 11-2 and two last yep, year? Yeah, You know, really good, really good season for them last year. They've got a cracking head coach in, in Jeff Tedford. I mean, this is just a fascinating one to me because USC, JT Daniels, I thought, I can't think of the game. There was a game at the end of last season where I really thought, actually, he looks like the kid that was expected. We kind of knew he was getting thrown in too early last season. He was, did he leave high school a year early and he then did. started as a redshirt freshman? He yeah, did, so, yeah. so, yeah, I mean, he's really young still and they've, they've changed in the offense this year to to spread things out a little bit more as well. So USC, I mean, their, their early schedule is horrific mm. and this is the start of it. So USC are going to be the, one of the most fascinating teams to watch for the first four or five weeks because if it goes well, then fair enough. But everybody ultimately thinks, you know, Claire Helton isn't much longer for that job and, and, and Urban Meyer watch begins as well. Cause yeah. I, I, I do think that that is ultimately where he ends up if and when he inevitably returns to the sideline. So, yeah, that one's another one. That's the exciting part about all three of these games. You can see that they're, they're not just exciting week one games that we think could be interesting, but actually there's, there's bigger stakes at play for all of them. And head coaches in particular, Clay Helton at USC, Gus Malzahn at Auburn, you know, Justin Herbert in terms of every the decision to come back. Can you imagine Justin Herbert as... Turn down really the chance to be a top five NFL draft pick. Mm. Imagine if they lose in week one the next season for the, for that kid. I mean, that's going to be a difficult thing to overcome. I mean, Helton will be. Uh, I'm certain Helton will be gone by by week six. It'll uh, be interesting to see who's fired first out of him and and, and Lynn Swan, the athletic yeah. director. Uh, who, you know, he hasn't quite matched the heights of his playing career in his absolutely. administrational career in at USC. You know that. You cannot go five and seven at USC, which is what they did last year. I think it'll be interesting to see whether JT Daniels can hold on to the job or whether um, Jack Sears takes over. Obviously, the off season was just a disaster for, for for Helton. You know, Cliff Kingsbury coming in to be offensive coordinator after being sacked by Texas Tech, only to take the job at Arizona. So Graham Harrell, the uh, the, the the former Texas Tech quarterback, now now comes in from from North Texas. Uh, it, 
Interestingly as well, their, their number one recruit, a wide receiver, five-star, committed, then decommitted and went to Texas, then recommitted and came back to USC. It kind of speaks to the sort of slight air of disaster that, that's going on there. That They obviously have talented players, but you, you look at that schedule. I mean, that is one of the nastiest schedules in all of America, at Washington, at Notre Dame, at Arizona State, home games against Utah, Oregon, Stanford. I mean, that that's the first six games and nine of the 12 are against teams that went to bowl games last year. And the other three, Arizona, at Colorado, and UCLA, aren't exactly cupcake games. I mean, Colorado, we've talked about with Montez and, uh, and LaVisca Chenault, Chenault, who should be a, a top 15 pick in the draft next year. UCLA, no mugs either. Well, you know, year two of the... Um, year two of the the new era there. I mean, it's a huge ask for the Trojans, isn't it, to even to even have a, end up with a winning record, let alone yeah. get back I mean, to, to bowl football. And like you say, Urban Meyer sat out there and without a job and, uh, uh, you know, taking over and rehabilitating USC and getting them back into the Rose Bowl. I mean, that's, that's what Urban Meyer does, isn't it? Yeah, and uh, I mean... Uh, Ultimately, as well, that we always mention recruiting because it is so important. Like, I was looking at the recruiting rankings. You know, USC shouldn't have to leave the state to recruit hmm. top five classes every time because it's just so talent rich. But I think I looked at the yellow area for the for the current recruiting cycle. The the top twenty five kids. I think I think one or two were committed to USC. I mean, that's unheard of, isn't yeah. it? So it's not just on the field where it's going badly wrong for Helton, it's off it as well. So, you know, he needs to steady the ship on the field because off the field it's going wrong anyway and I just I just don't see them doing it. I, I think Fresno State will win this game. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting. Fresno State obviously replacing quite a lot of players, but Ronnie Rivers at, at running back is very, is very very important. And, you know, I think if you... I mean, could you see Clay Helton being sacked if they lose to Fresno State? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think he could be gone at, at any point, and, and, and week one is, is certainly not out of the question. No, I, I agree 100%. I agree 100%. Do you know an interesting name? If Evan Meyer doesn't come back um, this season, because the one thing I think with Meyer is I could see him having a full season off and then mm. and then returning down the line, maybe two seasons off. If, if the Seahawks don't have a good season mm. and... It kind of continues on. Could Pete Carroll go back to USC? That would be very interesting, wouldn't it? Yeah, that could that could be fascinating. Just because I, I don't know, like, I just get the feeling with you know, with the terrible offensive coordinator the Seahawks have got in 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 Schottenheimer. Yeah. I just get the feeling this is a little bit of Carroll is trying to. We're talking NFL now, obviously, but Carroll is trying to like rebuild the dynasty almost and bring back all these bring through these young players and recreate something. But actually, if those guys aren't as talented as Richard Sherman, Camp Chancellor, etc., etc., and and then you start to think it's getting a bit stale with the Seahawks. So that, that would be an interesting name to throw out there for mm. a job that isn't yet open, but we're fairly certain will be. Hazel Irvin here at Spencer Park in Coventry, where 37-year-old Emily and her mates are taking part in a fancy dress fun run to fundraise for sport relief. And that means I've been lumbered with her dog, Tilly. Oh, Tilly, not over there. And they're off. An impressive array of costumes on show today, everything from penguins to pirates, all taking on poverty and injustice. Respect. Spectacular. Poverty getting crushed by Katie on a space hopper. Easy. Coming into the final stretch now, and it's neck and neck. I think we're in for a photo finish here. But it's Suzanne smashing through injustice. She is our winner. 
Hey, Tilly, get off my tutu. Tilly, sit. You can help change the world too. Just get your exclusive Sport Relief merchandise at Janeiro Sainsbury's. Sport Relief. It's game on. This message was brought to you by Acast. We, we touched upon it very briefly just there, but Stamford Northwestern um, should be a fascinating game as well, shouldn't it? I mean, Stamford um, Northwestern obviously played in the in the conference championship game uh, last season. They've lost Clayton Thorson, who was drafted by the Eagles, but they brought in Hunter Johnson from Clemson, who's a better quarterback than than Thorson. Um, obviously, Pat Fitzgerald, both of us huge fans of uh, uh, of him and the job that he does there. They obviously lost Jeremy Larkin when he was forced to retire, but in Isaiah, uh, Isaiah Bowser, they've got a, a terrific a terrific running game. Northwestern are a very interesting team, aren't they? It should um, where do you think they'll they'll be? Because defensively as well, they're terrific. I think nine nine starters return, seven of the top ten tacklers are back. Um, Paddy Fisher obviously leads the way at inside linebacker. What um how do you see that game? How do you see Northwestern developing through the season? Because they're an interesting team. Yeah, I, I think Northwestern win this game. I, I, Northwestern to me are one of those teams where you just we love Pat, Fitt, Pat Fitzgerald for yeah. a reason. I watch his teams play, and I always think that they're in the game. You know, even if they're losing on the scoreboard, I think play to play, they're always in the game, and that's always the sign of a great coach to me. Stanford a little bit feel like they're treading water. You know, I, I really, I really like David Shaw. As a coach, I actually interviewed him for about 45 minutes a couple of years ago, and he's just such a great guy, great mind, great to speak to. But I think, does realisation ever hit him that he has really reached the ceiling mm. of what you can do at Stanford? When, you know, there's, there's half a percent of the population can get into Stanford, and that applies to the football team as well, because you still have to be Stanford smart to play for the football team. So, yeah, I mean, I'd. I, I like some of Stanford's players, but I all I just kind of feel like Stanford are what they are. They're going to be top twenty-five, probably. They're going to sometimes look like a top ten team, and then they'll lose the next week and and and, and fall back into the pack. Northwestern to me are a real a real potential competitor again in the in in the Big Ten. I mean, I, I think that I think that Hunter Johnson has a chance to be the best quarterback Fitzgerald's worked with in in recent times and. They're always they're always a good team, and I think they can make a real statement by overcoming another. I mean, Stanford and Northwestern's a great matchup because they're kind of similar, aren't they? In mm. terms of talent level, year in year out, both got great coaches. Who two coaches who I also think would be really good pro coaches. Mm. Like I think both Fitzgerald and Shaw could potentially have careers down the line in the NFL. So yeah, fascinating matchup as much for. The culture matchup is, is, I guess, the on the field stuff. Here's a hot take slash prediction for this game uh, and this season generally. Stanford will not make the top 25. And when Cajo Costello, the, the excellent quarterback, who has an outside shot at being a first-round pick next year, when he graduates, David Shaw will become an NFL head coach. I just, Do you think? Yeah, yeah I, I, just, I, I think, I think he's reached the, I think he's reached the limit of where he can go. Um, and uh, do you know what job will almost certainly be open again? Go on. The Giants, which is always yeah. the one that I've thought he'd end up going to. Yeah. Um, or the Seahawks. Yeah, um, absolutely. You can see him staying on the West Coast and, and taking that job. I just think, you know, they've only got four, five returning starters on defense. They've lost their, their best defensive players. I just, uh, I think it's a difficult ask for Stanford to make the make the top 25. I, I just don't see it. And I think, you know, 
pass defensively. They're, they're, they've got issues. They've got big games against Washington. They've got games against Oregon. Um, I, I, I don't see it myself personally. Um, I just wanted to touch upon... Um, just wanted to touch upon Les Miles. We're both huge fans of his. He returns to Kansas, one of the worst teams in in college football, along with Rutgers, pretty much over the last few years. They open against Indiana State. Uh, should be a uh, should be a, a a win for 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 the Jayhawks. But what does it mean to have the hat back on on college football sidelines? Yeah, I think it's great, isn't it? He is. He is one of the great characters. He's one of the characters who ultimately really got me into college football. You know, I think I think guys like him and Steve Spurrier, you know, these classic college coaches, just they've just got more about them than a lot of the NFL coaches. Not all of it's good. I mean, his handling of some of the issues that have afflicted Kansas the last couple of months with guys mm. with off-the-field stuff hasn't been great. It's been a little bit confirmation for those who think he is a bit of a dinosaur coming back and you know we've got Mac Brown back as well this year so it's like it's it's a bit like back to the future this season so but yeah I mean he's ultimately a great character for college football and you know what I love the idea of somebody who I still consider a great college coach or certainly he has been going to a program that bad and I think more than anything, it's just going to be fascinating to see if he can turn it around. Because if he can, it's a, it's just a, it's a wonderful finale to a career. You know, at the minute I'm doing a, a project that I keep referencing that, that I'll reveal all about down the line. But I did a lot of research on George Allen, and when he, he's one of the greatest NFL head coaches ever. But at the end of his career, he took over this ridiculously low college team who had basically were about to disband and he ended up winning, ended with a winning record, beat a couple of Power 5 programmes. And it's looked back upon as this fond, amazing end. He, I think he died not long after the season, but it's this amazing like finale that summed up the, the life of a coach. And, and I hope that Les Miles can have a similar kind of swan song at Kansas, but hopefully it lasts a bit longer. Before we get out of here, just a couple of other games to touch upon. Um, one player that I'm very interested in seeing this season, um, and we've talked about some sort of off-the-radar quarterbacks and things and, and Desmond Ridder of Cincinnati certainly falls into that category there's a kid at Tennessee Jarrett Guarantano um, who feels like he could be uh, he feels like definitely arrow up in terms of a quarterback who could make some noise on a national level and could potentially get into a you know first couple of days mix uh, of the NFL draft next season they that they open with a with a fairly with a fairly cupcake game um, which I had in front of me and now has now completely stood. That's right, it? Georgia State. Um, what do you think about Tennessee? Who because everybody is back offensively for them this season. Do you know what? I'm, I'm just I'm just not sure. I mean, um, they're interesting Tennessee because they've got everything in place, haven't they? But it's been so long since the since the Fulmer days that they've, that they've really competed. You know. Do they finally have the right head coach is the question with Tennessee. And, and I think there were some good signs last season. You know, the, 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 they certainly were. But I just see them, you know, I see where they're at as a programme being that notch below. And they'll hate you for saying this. Florida, you know, the big rivals. And then the other the other SEC teams. I think the middle of the pack again, ultimately. Um, they do interest me on offence. I, I agree with what you're saying. But it's a big leap, isn't it? It's a big leap from where they're at even to draw level with the likes of Florida yeah no absolutely but it feels like they're you know slowly getting their way back to where you'd like to see you know because there's not a lot better than than seeing you know a really good Tennessee team 
battling in the SEC at home in that stadium with those checkerboard end zones. I mean, that's a, that's a sight for anybody to, to, to behold, isn't it? Just just before we get out of here, one, one game that really interests me, um, very much an under-the-radar game, is uh, Wake Forest against Utah State. It pits two very interesting quarterbacks, Sam Hartman, um, at Wake Forest, a sort of under-the-radar, smaller, kind of baller, tough kid, threw two touchdown passes minimum in each of his games last season as a true freshman before he got injured. Uh, good kid off the field against Jordan Love, who I've been banging on about for, for months and months, going back to last season. And I was going to say, it's more than months yeah, now, buddy. Absolutely. Who I think will end up being potentially the second quarterback off the board. I mean, I th- to me, he's a better quarterback than Justin Herbert. I think I had him at number five or maybe at number seven in the uh, Booker Z magazine. Um, top 20 college players to look out for for this season. Um, he is a uh, just a breathtaking talent. Uh, this will be a very interesting game because for, for, for Love, really, that game against LSU um, in week six is the is the is really the biggest test and that game will be, the press box will be full of general managers and scouts looking just to see exactly how good he is and he is. But um, this is an under-radar, under-the-radar battle in, uh, in week one, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it absolutely is. And I mean, I'm at the point now where I've spent a lot of my off-season watching Love just because I've heard yeah, you wax lyrical about him for so long. And that is almost certainly a game that I will find a way to watch. I just can't. I'm really excited because I've watched a lot of the, the cut-ups and the clips. I'm really excited to watch them in, in, in the whole season. I mean, like you, I'm really looking forward to that LSU game. But that is one of the games, for him alone, I'll be, I'll be tuning in for. Can I give you one final game Do from it. me? It hits the point. It's a game we mentioned last week, which is UCLA against Cincinnati. Mm. I think it's a. I think it's if I remember rightly, is it the Friday night? It is possibly? the Friday night. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, that's a great one to start your college football weekend with. Midnight. Because, Midnight Saturday. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll, that is one I'll almost certainly stay up and watch live. So, you know, you've got this amazing situation of Desmond Ritter being the quarterback. Mm. We spoke at length about that last week, but for me, Chip Kelly is. Is so fascinating. He has been for years. I think that we're going to start to see a Chip Kelly program this season. And I saw the signs at the end of last season. There was the game against USC where I think they had 300 and odd rushing yards. I think he started to get it together again. People talk about recruiting rankings with Chip Kelly. That is not the way he builds this program. Chip no. Kelly is, is college football Bill Belichick. He wants reliable guys he even at Oregon I think they might have had one top 10 recruiting class when he was there he wants guys who love football are reliable he recruits a totally different way to anybody else he views football different to anybody else has the rest of college football caught up with him possibly but I saw signs at the end of last season that actually maybe he's moving on to the next thing in terms of the way he schemes that running game and everything he does it's the it's got it's gone from the in your face stuff with Chip Kelly the 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 super fast no huddle that he started with to the nuances of the way he schemes offense. And I'm fascinated to see UCLA this year because, you know, UCLA under Jim Mora were that team who had great recruiting classes, but never, ever translated on the field. They signed a lot of guys who seemingly didn't love football and had issues with that. With Chip Kelly's program, it's the opposite of that. And it's going to take him time because of that to get the guys he wants in. But year two, after what we saw at the end of year one, I'm really excited to see that. And um, as we said last week, Cincinnati could be the one non-Power 5 team to really break up in those rankings. Biggest loser of week one. I mean, Justin Herbert, if they lose. Yeah, 100%. He has the potential to be the 
the biggest loser just because it's it's not just the impact of one game it's on it's on everything isn't it it's it all goes back to the decision he made in the, in the spring right let's get out of here enjoy the opening games of the season they should be absolute crackers the opening weekend of the season obviously we've had florida and miami my thanks to matt uh matt sherry gridiron editor as always uh, thanks to you for listening i'm simon clancy we should be back next week when we look back on week one and we shall look ahead to some fascinating games in week two including uh, clemson against texas a&m a huge challenge for for trevor lawrence's clemson and a massive statement game for the aggies to see where jimbo fisher has that team see you next week <laughs>